Welcome to Season 4 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Proudly sponsored by AllPlay. If you're looking for a board game table, bag, playmat, or great board games, check them out at letsallplay.com. This episode of Game Design Unbox is sponsored by Launch Tabletop. Launch Tabletop is an online platform for board game creators to manufacture retail quality board games at all scales, even a single copy. Launch Tabletop is offering 20% off your next order by going to launchtabletop.com and using promo code GDU20 when checking out using their print-on-demand service, Launch Lab. Launch your next game project into the stratosphere with retail quality games at no minimums with Launch Tabletop today. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 74, Curmudgeon. Today we're joined by Grant Lyon. You'll know him for his awesome comedy acts, but also he's a board game content creator as well as designer. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I do all the things. <laughs> I feel so like everyone has to. <laughs> I mean, that is very true, especially in like the world of board games is obviously growing, but it's not huge yet you know it's not as big as like the world of video games so you can't just have like one hit game and then live off of that forever you know <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like don't be crushing my dreams like that really. yeah yeah but <laughs> but i think that's cool because you know that means also that like i think some people are like oh no i only have one good design in me and that's not true if you're a creative person you're going to have ideas. And so that just means in the board game space, you got to keep generating ideas. I 100% agree. And for anyone who doesn't know you, would you mind explaining how you got into game design? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually didn't expect to get into game design at all. I was a comedian, uh, first and foremost, and I had a buddy who I met through just the world of creative stuff, and he was a game designer. He actually won the Mensa Award for his game Yikers in like 2008 or something oh, cool. like that. And he had multiple published games before me and then also multiple, you know, prototypes that weren't published yet. So and his game Yikers had sold like 250,000 copies or something like that. And he at that point, he reached out to me because he was like, hey, you know, everything I've done up until this point is sort of a family strategy game, but I want to do a more adult party game. I know you like games and you're a comedian and I think you're funny. Would you be interested in working on a game? And I was like, oh, huh. I never really thought about working on a game before, yeah. but it made sense to me because he knew the world a lot more than I do. Um, at the time and I you know I like games a lot and I'm also somebody that like I love using different creative parts of my brain like stand-up is great and I love it but that is a very specific thing you know I've also always written scripts and done acting and you know different ways to make me creatively fulfilled and so I was like oh a game that sounds like an interesting creative project and so I started working on it with this dude Adam Okay, so then where did the inspiration for curmudgeon come from? Was it from Adam? Was it from you? Was it just like the two of you talking? Explain that. Basically, he was like, here are five games that I have a little bit of an idea of. Do you like any of these? And curmudgeon was like the fifth one. 
And so everyone that he did before that, I was kind of like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And then he got to, like, the nascent idea of curmudgeon, and I was like, that. That sounds fun to me. That's, like, something I'm into. And, you know, the funny thing is the game is almost nothing of what he said originally, yeah. you know? Just the name. The name, even the name curmudgeon, I was like, that's a fun name. I like that name. And it was like, oh, it's curmudgeon, and it's a game of making up silly insults. So that idea stuck to it, but the way you play it is completely different than the way we originally had it. Okay. So then how does it currently play versus how it used to play? It is much more... We really overcomplicated it at the beginning. We were like, oh, you have to do this to have the cost to do this, and then you have to do that, and then there was all this sort of math involved. And just and then you like, remembered it was a party game? <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, it was interesting. Like, the first time we played it, like, the very first thing, I was like, why did we make it so complicated? Like, I even wish now, looking back on it, I wish the game was even less complex than the game that got published. I wish we had even simplified it more and that's just sort of the that was our first time working together and you would do things differently later but I, I still think it's a very fun game it's just I wish there was still like one fewer rules in the published game and yet it's so different than what it was when we originally did it I actually uh, after our first play test I literally cried I was like oh like Happy tears no, 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 or sad like tears? sad tears. I was like, oh, oh, we just wasted six months of our life. Like, we just this is this is bad. This is this sucks. And I feel like we just wasted all of this time. And I was grateful that Adam had sort of been through the playtesting process before because he was like, no, 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 it's not a waste of time. We just learned a bunch of things that didn't work. And you know that one thing. Yeah. Remember that one thing that everybody really enjoyed? Now, how do we make that the crux of the game? How do you make that the central aspect, the thing that's repeated over and over? Because there was one thing that everybody liked. There was just five things that everybody didn't like. Okay, so what was the one thing? It was just that idea of creatively sort of mad-libbing cards together to make up an insult. That everybody liked everybody liked that idea of combining random cards and using your creative brain to come up with a ridiculous and silly insult the insults don't even have to make sense i mean that's the thing about curmudgeon is it's not supposed to be like a mean game it's supposed to be a dumb and wacky game yes you are insulting each other but you you know i remember one of the funniest insults i ever saw was the guy had the word bird and and then the word face and he was like your he was like your face is so bird-like it looks like a bird's face and it was so dumb okay it was so that's <laughs> what i mean it was so dumb but the way he delivered it made everybody laugh and it was like oh that's not a good insult but it was so, so funny yeah it was so dumb and silly in the moment that everybody had fun with it and so originally we had like you had to build up your rage in order to throw an insult down. So there were all these rage fuel cards and you needed enough of that to even do an insult. So then you would you would go a turn without even not getting to insult somebody. And 
all of this sort of stuff. And it was like, no, 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 no. That thing, everybody likes mad living cards together. So how do we make it easier to do that instead of more difficult to do that? How do we strip away these other rules to just make that sort of the centerpiece of the game? Okay, so then what is the current rule set that got published? So it is basically you look around, everybody has life cards in front of them. And the life cards, again, are they could be something like face or they could be something like hamster. Maybe I'm insulting your hamster. It's just some aspect of your life. Maybe I'm insulting your opinions. It doesn't even have to be like a physical thing. Maybe I'm insulting your pogo stick. Maybe I'm like just a bunch of random words. And then you basically take insult words in your hand and mad lib them together and throw down an insult on this aspect of somebody else's life. Okay, could you give me an example? Yeah, I I remember another one that was, it was like, Danielle, your hamster's so obese it needs to use a CPAP machine at night to sleep or something like that, (laughs) you know? And I think the word there was like, I was insulting your hamster and somebody had night and sleep and they just filled in the rest of it. So in the game, do people get to build off of it? Or so try to then, it, yes, retort cards, there right? are retort yeah. cards. So then it becomes a one up thing. And now it's like, how dare you insult my hamster? And then I come back and then it becomes sort of like just an Uno matching symbol or color game where you throw down a retort and it has a, a purple triangle. And then I can either play a triangle retort or a purple retort. And then we just sort of go back and forth. And so that's some of the most fun aspects of the game where it's just this like boom 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 and it's sort of that one-upping each other and it gets big table reactions and that sort of thing yeah and so for the different symbols or colors it's always still going to be a word that you have to incorporate in your well so the retorts because we wanted the retorts to be quicker you know than the Mm -hmm. insult the retorts are actually usually like fill in the blank or finish the sentence or something like that Okay, so if I were to retort your one, give me an example of what my card might say. So here, I mean, I can I can open up a I can show you a copy of the game right here, and uh, <laughs> for all of you listening, yeah, yeah. you're gonna get a description. Yeah, uh, let's go. I want to retort this. <laughs> here you go. Yeah, well, you're so blank. Your car is like a garbage bag filled with blank, and so you get to just make up what you want that to say. Or it's like a finish the sentence. Your family does not visit you anymore because dot, dot, dot. So okay. I might be like, you you just insulted my hamster. And I might be like, yeah, well, your family does not visit you anymore because you have 36 hamsters and they call you the hamster lady. All right. <laughs> or something okay. like that. And then, oh, that was a, a blue thumbs down. So now maybe you have this other blue card and it's like you haven't felt blank since blank and it's like yeah well you haven't felt the touch of a hamster since 1995 (laughs) you know yeah and it's obviously very ridiculous oh oh my god so i would have so much fun with that (laughs) did a lot of the design come from like your skills at improving your comedy acts yeah and that is definitely a I think both a benefit and a shortcoming of the game is that 
you have a lot of opportunity to bring in your own sense of humor and your own creative brain to the game because it is fill in the blank or Mad Libs or that sort of stuff. And so you, I think the people that love it absolutely love it, but other people are intimidated by it, right? The people that feel like, oh, Cards Against Humanity is not fun because all of the jokes are pre-written. Well, Mm -hmm. in this game, it's not all pre-written. You're getting to bring in your own sense of humor into the game. But there are times where people are sort of like, oh, I'm not going to be good at that. And I think one of the interesting things about the game is that I have almost never seen anybody in practice that can't do it. Because like I'm saying, there's so much dumb silliness in it that if you just sort of let go and put something together and you don't overthink it, it usually gets a laugh because it's like random and wacky. And so once people play it, they find that they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a lot better at this than I thought I was going to be. But there's that intimidation factor of before they play it. When you say, oh, you have to put cards together to make up an insult, people go, oh, I'm going to be off of that. I don't want to play it. Yeah, kind of reminds me of karaoke. Some people are really good, but if they're not, it's just freaking funny to watch. Yeah, it's just like, (laughs) as long as you own it, if you walk up there with confidence, you're going to be great at karaoke, even if you're not actually a good singer. And so you have lame cards, though, involved in the game, right? So how do those factor? Yeah, so everybody gets one lame card, and it is just a policing system for you to not be lazy. I can't be like, your hamster is dumb, right? I'm like, if I just said that, somebody could lame me, and then they Mm -hmm. get to try to come up with a better insult. And if they do, they basically steal my turn. So are they using the combination of like, your hamster is so dumb, it falls off the wheel or it can't find the wheel or something like that? Your your hamster is so dumb, it's always worried it's going to run on the wheel backwards. (laughs) There's no backwards to yeah. the wheel, Danielle. That's the joke. Uh. God damn it. <laughs> I'll tell the hamster in my brain that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's just, honestly, a lot of times I don't even see the lame get used. It just keeps everybody honest. It keeps everybody yeah. trying to at least come up with something creative. That definitely makes sense. And have you found, because I know when I design party games, especially content or kind of improv ones, that your bias to being funny or being very quick-witted makes it harder to test the games? Like, you have to sit out and watch other people? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's a good thing that Adam, my co-designer, is not a comedian. And so we have that perspective of... There are times where I have tried to do things where it's like, yo, all my friends are professional comedians. Of course this is funny, but this is going to be too difficult for someone that doesn't make their living being funny. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think it's helpful that he is like, no, 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 that's that's too big of a leap for people, that sort of thing. So it's something something I have to be aware of because a lot of the people I'm playtesting with are my friends in Los Angeles, and a lot of my friends are yeah. other comedians. Oh, yeah, that can make it a little biased. Yeah. Interesting. For sure. So it is very important to us. Like, a lot of times we will play test the games that we are designing 
with comedians first to like make sure it is funny and then take it to like game stores and conventions and things like that afterwards to make sure that it is still accessible to non-comedians. What a sentence. Still yeah. accessible <laughs> to non-comedians because there's so com- so many comedians in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then how did you end up getting hooked up with 25th Century Games as the publisher? Yeah, so we started going to conventions to pitch it and I didn't really know about the convention world and he honestly didn't know that much about the convention world either because his... It was like an in-law ran a publishing company. It was like the it was literally like the uncle of an in-law or something like that had a publishing company and they were called Wiggles yeah. 3D and they're the ones that do like 5 minute dungeon or that sort of like pr- very popular games. And yeah. so he went and pitched his first game design to them and they were like, "Yeah, we'll publish this." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Love that. And then that game sold like 250,000 copies and he was like, "Wow, designing games is easy." <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Yeah. And so when we first started going to conventions in like 2018, we were just like walking up to people and like cold pitching the game to them, which I don't recommend. Nope. And also, yeah, and also we just didn't know that like oh, people are very open to scheduling meetings and taking pitches. Like, it's not that hard to get pitch meetings with publishers. And so we were walking up and just randomly pitching people. And then I was like, hey, let me try to, like, um, actually email people and see if we can set this up. And so... How could you be crazy Yeah, like that? yeah. Ridiculous notion. Uh, and so then we started meeting with people and we got a lot of this is really fun, but I don't think it's for us sort of responses. And a lot of people asked for prototypes and then ended up passing and stuff like that. And then at Origins 2019, we pitched to 25th Century Games. He was like, yeah, I really like this. Give me a prototype. But he hadn't really played it at all. And then we saw him at Gen Con only a couple of months later. And uh, he was like, hey, do you have that game with you? Let's play it right now. And kind of curmudgeon, the perfect atmosphere for curmudgeon is playing it in a bar with a beer, you know? Like late night. Like, yeah. That's what it, and Gen so Con. we were like at, it was like midnight. We were in a bar. We ran into him a bar. He was like, hey, I got a couple of my development friends right here let's sit down and play this. And so, you know, we played like a six player game of it in a bar at midnight and everybody was laughing. Everybody was having a great time. And, you know, where we had had a good pitch meeting, it took like actually sitting down and playing the game and seeing it happen for him to be like, yeah, I want to publish this. And so then pretty much right after that, we signed a, a deal with him with 25th Century Games. So super cool. Yeah. And so at what point was it actually out for people to purchase it? Well, the timing wasn't great because <laughs> yeah, it came out uh-huh. in November 2020. It was a party game that is best with five people that came out at a time in the height of us not hanging out with people. Yeah. Um so <laughs> it was uh, you know, it was a bummer, but it's like the the train was already too far down the tracks to like wait at that point you know no it so, totally makes sense yeah so then in total how long from the initial of like adam being like hey you want to work on a game to it being out with people do you think it took it was probably like four and a half years 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I think we started in sort of around June 2016, and it came out around like November 2020. Very cool. Yeah. And then for anyone who's listening, you probably don't know, but Grant's worked on a few games I've designed or developed. At what point did you start doing content creation for party games? Was that like before this came out? Was it because it came out? How did that um, no, get I mean, connected with your life? I think part of it was just I had won. I've won screenplay competitions. I've, you know, I've been a writer. As a comedian, you are both a writer yeah. and a performer. And it really was... I think I sent out an email and I knew a woman who worked at Big G Creative and she reached out to me and was like, oh, I see that you do a lot of writing, too, and you're funny. We actually had met before board games because we had a mutual comedian friend. And so, uh, yeah. And so then she was like hey, would you be interested in writing some content for this game? And it was a, it's a game called Ghosted, and it was in Target and in a lot of box yep. big box stores, and it was a fun game. That was another thing where I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought of that before, but she reached out to me. She was like, I think you'd be good at that. So I did. I wrote a bunch of stuff. I basically wrote a bunch of funny character bios for the characters in that game. I came up with silly weapons for the game because it's kind of a Clue-esque like a game. Yeah, yeah, like a whodunit. I always say it's like Clue meets headbands. Yes. I came up with a tagline uh, for the game, you know, a game of boo-dunit. Boo-dunit. Yeah, that's this guy right here. And so that was like, that just was a friend basically being like, I think you'd be good at this and are you interested? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds cool. And then... After that, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed this experience. I should basically put it out into the world that I am open to doing this sort of stuff. There aren't many people that you think of when you think of the intersection between comedy and board games, right? I'm a pretty natural person to think about. And so I then let it be known. I emailed some people being like, hey, if you need anything, this is something that I'm interested in. And then have gotten hired. I've worked on, I don't know, something like eight different games or something at this point, writing funny content for it. Yeah, one of the games you designed, I wrote a bunch of uh, prompts for it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was always curious to see how that happened since I actually didn't even know. Was it Shannon? Yep, it was, was Shannon. Person? Yeah. Yep. And she knew my buddy Tamar from the world of advertising. He used to work in like uh, at like big advertising firms. And so... Yeah, and then I, you know, I've worked on a few different big G games. I've worked on games for Spin Master, for Flying Leap, for Gray Matters games, uh, a bunch of different places, publishers. So do you find that to be more fun or co-designing? Well, it's a very different thing because when I'm really not designing the games at all, when they come to me, for the development stuff, I even they they some people have given me development credits. I don't deserve them. I'm not really developing the game at all. They're basically coming to me and being like, "Hey, we have this design. We want more cards for this thing." And so really, it's just joke writing. It's just joke writing in like specific card prompt form. 
And so, sure. yeah, I'm not really doing, I'm not really giving any changes to like the game design and stuff like that. So it's a much different process because that I'm just tapping into all of my years of experience and history with being a comedian. So I love that game design is a much more slow process where I need people and I need feedback and I need all this stuff. When I get hired to write content for games, I'm just basically like, here's 500 cards. Like I just, you tell me what you want and I submit a bunch of stuff. So I like both of them but they're both very different. You know, the design process for me is a much more collaborative process, whereas the sort of writing content is much more of like, I'm going on walks in my neighborhood and just trying to think up funny things. So in rule books, what do you like to be credited as? Do you want to be like content creator or like special thanks or like joke writer? Like if you could choose a title for when you get hired for that, what would you want put into a rule book? Interesting. I haven't really thought of that before. I would put it in like, I would love like just a writing credit, card prompts written by Grant Lyon or something like that, you know, like just a, this was a writer on the project. That's a pretty atypical thing for games. There's not a lot of writing credits in games. I have both, at this point, I've been given special thanks credit. I've been given development credit and I have been not mentioned at all in the game Mm -hmm. and so but yeah i guess if i had my druthers i would say a writing credit very cool well hopefully we start doing that because let's be honest i've worked on so many party games i'm currently working on one where the game design didn't quite work i developed and changed it but it works with half the content that was pre-written for the initial one and content really can carry a party game like if it falls flat it's the game isn't there yeah yeah well, I, I even have one of my own party games that I'm working on right now, which is a little bit more of an attempt to, instead of just letting everybody else be creative, there are jokes written on the cards. There is still some creativity in how you put things together and things like that, but it's a lot more pre-written than like curmudgeon, which is just words. Yeah. And in that, I'm like, I want 500 cards for this game, but I don't really want only my voice in the game because different people are going to have different senses of humor and funny things and stuff like that so even with that game you know i've written probably half the cards and then i've hired a bunch of my friends to write like 50 cards each just to be like hey i want your funny perspective on this too you know and so i've folded in some of my other like professional comedian friends just to write some prompts for that game do you only design party games yes. or do you work on other things too? Nope. It's the only thing I know how to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I know how to make fun stuff. I'm sure you could figure it I out. No, I don't know how to do math. All these other designers are so good at <laughs> math. They're like doing all this balancing. Yeah. Spreadsheets and balancing and no, thank you. I just want to be in charge of fun, you know? <laughs> yep. No, I get that. I want to be the officer of fun. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, when you were working on Curmudgeon, did you have like a favorite moment and a least favorite moment when you were designing the game? Well, I mean, my least favorite moment was for sure that first play test when I cried. <laughs> yeah, where I like was I like was really feeling quite desperate. I was like, oh, we just put six months into this thing and it's garbage is how I felt. And that was probably an overreaction, but I just was watching everybody playing it and it wasn't as fun as I was in my head. And so that was my 
least favorite moment. I think my favorite moment, honestly, was getting pictures from my friends when their copy showed up to them. When it was already out and published yeah. and people were like holding up their final, their finished version of Curmudgeon and being super excited to like check it out, right? I mean, that's the best part of yeah. game design is that you're getting to actually share this thing with the world, you know? I mean, to me, games should be fun. I mean, that's the whole point of games. I don't take it too seriously. I play serious games and I want to be good at them and I try to be good at them, but I'm also like in the end it's a game and this is about the people that we're playing with more than it is about the actual game on the table to me. And so that's that's I just that 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 personal connection of like, oh yeah, this is why we made it. Now this person is gonna go play with their friends and hopefully have build a memory with their loved ones playing something that I worked very hard on. That's what I like about it the most. No, I would definitely agree. I actually still get sent pictures or even videos for like her story or some of my other games. And it's just really fun to like see people interacting with it in the real world or being like, oh my God, I found something on Target shelf. Yeah, yeah. It just feels cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel pretty similar with anything that you work on. For sure. Like ghosted. Oh my God. I've seen that for years now going into big box stores. I'm like, oh, I helped on that. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's still doing real well. It seems like, Yeah, you know, I've seen verses out there. I wrote a bunch of stuff for the, uh, would you rather game that is now in, um, I saw, yeah, it's got like the toilet paper on the cover. Yeah. That one's very satisfying because it kind of ruined my life for a few months. What? <laughs> it just okay. took over. I, they, I basically had like two and a half, three months to write a thousand would you rather prompts, which is a lot. And it's a very short timeline to do that in. And I basically had to yeah. write 30 would you rathers a day to be able to hit the deadline. So it just, I, I joke, it didn't actually ruin my life. That was a hyperbolic, funny statement. But it did uh -huh. legitimately take over for a while where everything I was thinking about, everything I was doing was translated into a would you rather. You know what I mean? It's like the my, my girlfriend was like, yeah. oh, my God, I'll be happy when this is done, <laughs> you know, because I'm just everything we're doing, waking up in the morning. I'm like, hey, would you rather do this or this? And she's like, ah, there's too much would you rathers. Oh, you geez. Know? <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my yeah, god yeah. i hope she's not an indecisive person because that yeah, would be the bane of your existence but that's also a would you rather question right there like would you rather always be thinking of would you rather questions yeah, yeah, yeah. or the yeah. fact that you're yeah, single true. or something like that so and uh, you know it was really oh, fun man. because i got to like write a bunch of weird creative things and some of them may have been the game and other words ones they were like that's too weird <laughs> Uh-huh, but yeah, it was fun to, there. like, just come up with stuff, you know? Do you ever have it? Okay, so I was just at home in Arizona with my family, and I was playtesting. I have a dating game, so I wrote all the, like, dating profiles, and my family just straight up will be like, Danielle, I feel like yeah. I'm looking at your brain, and it freaks me out. Or there was one moment where my sister's boyfriend was choosing between three profiles, and one of them was actually called Danny, and was very much based off of one of my favorite jokes. And my sister's like, it's swear to God, <laughs> you choose Danny. 
I'm out. Yeah. We're done. Because, <laughs> like, in her mind, it was choosing me yeah, yeah. over, like, anything else. And I'm like, oh, that got weird. And he's like, I didn't think of it as your sister. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. But, yeah. Do you feel that, like, some of your family and friends kind of look at some of the stuff oh, you did yeah. and go, like, oh, that's I think that's so, rant. for sure. I mean, I've been working on developing my voice in comedy for literally about 20 years now. And so... I think that voice translates into the games that I'm working on, right? Like, this is, my voice is certainly in these games, and so people can see that for sure when they're playing something that I've designed. Yeah. And do you have any advice for anyone who's trying to work on either a party game or maybe a content party game? You know, playtesting obviously is like the best thing, and you can't do enough of it. But I think the biggest thing to me is find that kernel of what is the most fun and then make sure that is the central thing and the most repeatable thing in the game. Because party games, you know, you're walking away from a party game not thinking about who won. You're walking away from the party game talking about this one joke or this one moment or this experience that you had while playing it. So you need to figure out what in your game is creating moments like that and then making sure that's the central aspect of the game. That can't be a thing that happens every once in a while. That has to be the thing that's happening more often than it's not happening. I would 100% agree. Also, in the nicest way of saying, because I'm similar to you with the math, scoring shouldn't matter. It should just be like, if you like the game enough, you just freaking ignore the ending. It's like you play until you're bored or until you have to go to bed. Yeah. And the advice that I would give, too, because I didn't listen to it on my first party game, is don't overcomplicate things. (laughs) Party games are played mostly by people who don't play a lot of games. These are are people that are like, I'm going to hang out with my family for the holidays. I want a game that I can just play with everybody. Or I want, I'm going to a party. Let's see if we can play a game there. Those are the types of moments. You know, so you... You can't have more than like 90 seconds of rules explanations or everybody's going to check out. You need it to be like, everybody's on board. We're playing right away. Yep. Agreed. I honestly love when yeah, a party game can be explained sure. just looking at the back of the box. <laughs> cool. And besides Would You Rather, do you have any other projects that people should be looking out for that you worked on? Yeah. I mean, I have I have a game with, uh, they are now called Friendly Skeleton Games. They were formerly... Deepwater Games, so I have a game signed by them that uh, hopefully should be coming out next year called Drockward. That is a uh, silly, fun party drawing game, but you don't have to be good at drawing. I am awful at drawing, and so it's more about making up stuff with the drawings that you have and less so about actually doing the drawing. And then I've got a bunch of other prototypes that uh, hopefully... Will, um, you know, I'm still pitching them around, trying to find homes for them. I've got, let's see, I've got one, two, three, four, five more prototypes uh, that we're pitching around. So those will for sure come out at some point. And, you know, I also just make videos about games that I love. So if people want to see more from me, they can always check out Grant's Game Rex, which is my TikTok channel and Instagram channel and YouTube and stuff like that. I just am a, I'm a lover of games as well, not just designing them, but playing them too. 
Amazing. Okay. Well then for my last question, if you could have been the designer of any game, which one would you choose? Which would you recommend? For me, I love games that are really social games that produce these just talking and arguing and laughing and stuff like that. So one of my favorite games of all of all time and a game that both mixes a little bit of strategy in with that social aspect of it is Sheriff of Nottingham. To me, if I had to pick like my favorite social game of all time, I think it's probably Sheriff of Nottingham. And to anybody out there listening that doesn't know, essentially one person is the sheriff and everybody else is building a bag of goods and trying to get it past the sheriff. You can make deals with the sheriff. You can lie about stuff. You can, and so it's all, you can make deals to, with the sheriff for them to screw over somebody else. I'm like, I will pay you to look at their bag, you know? And so I just, I love the social aspect of the game. So that game to me, I'm like, I'm always thinking about how to create social experiences. And I think that game does it really, really well. Yeah. I noticed that they had a brand new, like, Disney Oh, really? I haven't of, like, seen the that one. Animals. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that'll probably bring in, like, yeah, I mean, sh- less gamery gamers into it. It's probably, yeah. Anything Disney is a is a play at mass market, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Impulse buy. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks again, Grant, and for everybody who's been listening. This episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, episode 74, Curmudgeon. And you already mentioned where to find you online, but you want to do it again, just in case? Oh, sure. Just, uh, if you want my comedy stuff, you can just... Search me, Grant Lyon, L-Y-O-N. I actually had an album that hit number one on iTunes, Once Upon a Time, and that's available. So you can go check out my album, Scheduled Fun Time. And then if you want more board game stuff, Grant's Game Rex, R-E-C-S, like recommendations. So check me out on all the different platforms under Grant's Game Rex. What? It's not like recreation? No, yeah, yeah. Just you played soccer, I did. though, I, right? I, I mean, played college been. soccer, Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. there you go awesome thanks so much for having me yeah oh yeah uh yeah and if you're looking to follow me danielle reynolds you can find me on social media under what used to be twitter <laughs> instagram blue sky token gamer and that's g-a-y-m-e-r but grant it was a blast talking to you and yeah talking thanks so games. much for having me appreciate it this was fun Oh, and before we close out this episode of Game Design Unboxed, I want to remind everybody who's listening to vote for me for the Rising Star Award for the Taggies. You can go to peopleofplay.com slash toys dash game dash innovation dash awards slash 2023. And also Grant Lyon is up for most innovative suppliers. So vote for him while you're at it. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. And if you're looking for a great board game, bag, playbat, or gaming table, check out All Play at letsallplay.com. Join us next time.